Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of In the Red Zone, the NFL podcast that is part of the Total Sports 24-7 Network. This is Chris Hayes, the host and producer for this podcast and all podcasts across the Total Sports 24-7 Network. You can find this episode and all archived episodes on our website, totalsports247.podbean.com. You can also find us on X at totalsports underscore 247. There we will make recommendations for plays across a whole host of sports and will provide some recommendations from other betting experts as well that we like. Lastly, we have a Substack week in, week out dot substack.com we're going to be putting out a couple articles before the end of the month we're going to do a golf article golf will be something that we will be introducing to the network we don't have the experience in golf but we're going to bring that experience in the next couple weeks we're also going to do an nba christmas day preview so be on the lookout for that joining me on this episode of In the Red Zone. He is back for more. This is Craig Castriano, Fred Dinger 2-3. He was our guest for week one of the playoffs, and he is back with his expert analysis. Craig, you want to say hello to the audience and give a little bit of a reintroduction as to who you are and what we'll be doing today. Week two, happy to be back. The week one went well with the picks, I think, but not so well in the fantasy landscape. I had four teams to start the year, three made the postseason, and now we have one left. Um, exciting to be alive, but not so excited when the, you have a number one seed seeded team go down and score about 60 points. Ugh. So That's tough one. Was... Tough one there. What was the seed that uh, advanced? An eight seed. Your eight seed? Oh no! Well, sorry. What the the one team that you have that advanced into the next round was that an eight seed or was that a different seed? One of my my team that advanced is a four seed. Is a four so. seed? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you know fantasy football. Sometimes it's all about matchups, and that's what we're going to be talking about all day today is matchups and who to play in the second round of the playoffs. So here's how it'll go: We'll go position by position, similar to our first episode in this playoff series, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. We'll also do a little bit of a review of the players that we recommended uh, start, sit, and pick up from last week. We'll incorporate those as part of the first part of this episode. And then the second part, well, again, we'll revisit, or sorry, we will visit, preview, these Thursday and Saturday games. This time there's three on tap. If we have a play on the game itself, We'll make that recommendation, and then we're going to recommend some player props for each of those three games as well to win you all some money. So we will start with the quarterbacks. I will give a review of how our recommendations went last week, and then we will volley to Craig for his start, sit, and pick up recommendations. I'll add my two cents on that, and we'll proceed through the four positions so to start at quarterback last week our three top quarterbacks were Lamar Jackson Brock Purdy Matthew Stafford I would say Jackson underperformed a little bit in that game against Jacksonville from a fantasy standpoint 14 of 24 174 yards a touchdown and a pick but he did go for 97 yards on the ground 
Baltimore had so much success running the ball in that game. They carried the ball for 43 times. They didn't really need Jackson to have an all-star performance. So he ended up being probably middle of the pack, I would guess, in the fantasy landscape. Brock Purdy, on the other hand, was likely at the top of the board. 16 for 25, 242, and four touchdowns. Matthew Stafford has continued his hot streak in these last four weeks. 25 of 33 for 258 and two scores. So the quarterbacks that we did not recommend were Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tungabailoa. Lawrence ended up with an okay fantasy line, 264 yards and a touchdown. He also contributed 41 yards on the ground, but he lost that fumble, which, hey, a, a fumble loss could be the difference between a win and a loss in fantasy. And then Tua was fine. 224 yards and a touchdown against the Jets. In terms of the quarterbacks we were looking at for the replacement side of things, Will Levis was our number one. I want to talk about him a little bit, and then we'll get to Craig's uh, recommendation. So the thing about Levis, and I think young quarterbacks in general, and Craig, I kind of want to get your take on this too. So Levis was 17 for 26, 199 and a pick. He did score a rushing touchdown. Four carries, 25 yards, and a rushing touchdown. The thing that stood out to me, and this was a a symptom of the way Tommy DeVito plays as well, he was sacked seven times. Now, part of this could be that offensive line and how kind of bad it is if we look not just at the way they don't protect Levis, but the way they've been rushing the ball recently. I feel like these younger quarterbacks, the speed of the game in the NFL can sometimes catch up to them and they can hold the ball a little bit too long, and that can uh, affect their fantasy performance. Like Levis had, was sacked seven times, and so was Tommy DeVito. So I'm wondering what you think in terms of younger quarterbacks and getting them in your lineups and them being vulnerable to the speed of the game and potentially making some mistakes that could be detrimental in fantasy. Right, so consistency. Yeah. And maybe a game plan change from the opponent, the upcoming opponent, changing things up to – um catch up to their tendencies if the opponent from the week before hasn't seen them so yeah. I, that yeah that can happen i think did levis finish the game i was trying to get that i know he's banged up now with an ankle but i, I, don't I think know. he did i think if i remember right he was hurt during the game but then came back okay that's that makes sense yeah um okay so let's get into this week then for the quarterbacks what do we got for our start sit pickups so in the quarterback space again we know that it's going to sound a little bit like like chalk and you may you know, it's a, some of these are obvious but these are again the best matchups that we see this week and the number one i see is josh allen mm-hmm. uh, at the chargers i think that buffalo um is is now finding the Their full offense was on display last week, and I know Allen didn't have to throw it a lot, but the threat of him throwing it and running it has opened the door for James Cook. So now I I expect that he can come back, and he threw for, what, 94 yards last week? But Mm -hmm. I think he's going to have a big game against the Chargers. You may even see Diggs have a game. Um, as for, of course, Cook, and Cook touches the ball not only on the ground, but in the passing game. So I really like Josh Allen this week. Moving quick, on. Before I, you move on, just that, that change in offensive coordinator, right? Adam Buffalo has just right. 
Yeah, it, it feels like it's yep. wonders for that offense. Well, I mean, especially Cook, but yeah. Definitely. So the the other the other two, I like Justin Fields um, at home against Arizona. Okay. Look, the cards D is allowed 419, 457, 317, and 406 as far as yardage that's the last four weeks. Bad. So not the quarterbacks, that's total yards, but still. Um, yeah, yeah. The majority of Chicago's offense runs through Justin Fields, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I like him in that matchup, and I like Jared Goff. I he had a great game last week. Great game. We we he's indoors. It's at Minnesota, but he's an indoor quarterback. And we talked about Minnesota last week, and you had made the great point that the quality of quarterback. Well, who have they played? Mm-hmm. And then Jake and then Jake Browning goes out and throws for three hundred and twenty-four yards. Yep. So those are the three I like. I would stay away from, we, we just talked about Lamar. I would stay away from Lamar this week at San okay. Francisco. Okay. If, yeah, you have, if you have another option. Yeah. The San Francisco, it goes out saying they're physical. They have a tough defense. It's in San Francisco. I think that they're going to really be, they're going to really try to wrap up that number one seed. Mm-hmm. As quickly as they can. Uh, why wouldn't you? I don't know if you want too much rest, but they'll get the bye, and then maybe the last week they can also rest some 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 folks. So yep. I, that that's one that stands out. And also, I I'd be careful with Jordan Love this week. It's it looks like a good matchup against Carolina, um, but yep. I I was looking at some of their data, their stats, and the second half of the season, their defense has not been as bad as you might think. Uh-huh. And they are, I believe, ranked number five against the quarterback position um, overall. I will find that number for us. Um, I could maybe look to find that a little later. Yeah, uh, but you know, they they're not they they don't have a bad ranking against that position. So those are the two stayaways, and then on the waiver wire, I'm not sure. You know. Who's going to be there? It is late in the season, but there are a couple of good matchups out there on guys who have recently got the job. So Nick Mullins against yep. Detroit is if he's still out there in your league, and Joe Flacco at Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Flacco's thrown for 300 yards two weeks in a row now. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. It yeah, it is. If you had told someone that week one. They, <laughs> Yeah. Not sure Imagine taking think. those odds week one, <laughs> whatever Correct. that would be. Yeah. Right. For reference, Nick Mullins is 31% owned on CBS. Yeah, he's uh, the most added quarterback this week. And then Joe Flacco is at 45%. Um, any other uh, comments on either Mullins or Flacco? No, but just to follow up, Carolina is ranked number two against the quarterback position two. on CBS. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Opponent versus position. Wow. Um, some other quarterbacks then uh, to get your opinion on um, Gardner Minshew, someone we talked about last week as a potential replacement, still 60% owned on CBS. He went for uh, three touchdowns, 215 yards, and it sounds like he'll have his full complement of running back. Zach Moss got hurt in that game last week. And uh, we saw what uh, they had in terms of running back depth, which was surprising to me. I did not expect those guys uh, to step up in the way that they did. 
And then uh, another player on waivers who's 58% owned. I was surprised at this number. I don't, I, I mean, I don't really know why I was surprised, but I was. Derek Carr is at 58%. So do you have any thoughts on either Minshew or Carr for this week as a potential replacement if you have a quarterback that you are doubting for this week? I like both of those options if they're available. I think that Minshew against Atlanta will be a good matchup for him. And Carr is playing the Rams. So I think there's an opportunity to throw the ball. I don't know if it's a good opportunity for when looking earlier for Kamara, but I think Carr could get his yards. Great. Okay. So for the running back position, we had a mixed bag in terms of what we recommended. So McCaffrey went off, of course, 115 yards rushing, 72 through the air, three total touchdowns, just a ridiculous performance. Kyron Williams also had a ridiculous performance. He did have a fumble, lost two, actually, two fumbles that he lost. But that was, uh, uh, you could kind of balance that out with 152 yards on the ground and the touchdown. So it might, you know, that that negative of the two fumbles, it, it's good that he scored a touchdown for sure. And, you know, he just ate up those 150 yards. So still overall, a very, very good performance. Likely, you know, one of those top five, top seven performances from Williams last week. Bijan Robinson, terrible game. He went seven carries, 11 yards, fumble lost. The weather was awful, and I just don't know what Atlanta's doing in that backfield. It's just a mess. It's just they're on, they're so unpredictable, yeah. I think. You know, the first two were easy, and it just was more affirmation of don't just set him and forget him, and they produced. And Bijan might have been the one where yeah. you you – you were still thinking about and he just that was a complete mess but what you did hit on was saquon barkley to sit him he did nothing nine carries for 14 yards and two catches for 23 so that was a that was a great observation and then kenneth walker did have a pretty good game with um, 86 on the ground and a touchdown and uh, three catches for 26 against philly so that was a little bit of a surprise performance from walker uh, considering it, he's been like banged up the last couple of weeks, hasn't he? Like kind of, kind of just like fully coming back from injury, right? I don't think we thought he was going to get that many carries. Yeah, I think there was an injury risk, and Philly normally pretty good against the run. So yeah. there, it, yeah, I think he did end up with a big run at some point in there, which which produced the touchdown. In terms of who we thought on waiver wire, Chandler was a monster, 132 yards on the ground with a touchdown, and then Chase Brown. I th- he, you know, he didn't really produce a ton in this game, but I think he's somebody you'd want on your roster either way because of his potential to break out week to week. He had 23 yards on the ground and 28 through the air. So a pretty modest performance for Brown. But again, I think the pickup itself was probably a worthy one if you had space on your roster to add him. So for this week, Craig, what are your top running backs? And then who would you sit and who would you pick up? Sounds good. So the running back matchup, we've already mentioned him as James Cook at the Chargers. You know, it, it dovetails with Josh Allen. It's arguably the best matchup of the week. Even before his breakout game, his touches were 20, 22, 15, and then last week, 27 touches. Mm. He'd been coming, you know, under Joe Brady, they're using him. Yeah. So I look for more of the same. He may have been a question for you. And last week, even going against 
what was thought to be the tough Dallas defense against the run, he he totally you know outperformed everybody's expectations. So I'm looking for more of the same against the Chargers. And the one that you and I were talking about earlier offline was Brees Hall. I have him as yep. a best matchup against Washington a little bit because of the defense and a little bit because of the quarterback questions in New York, just uh, hopefully, hopefully a lot of touchers are there for Brees Hall and they will utilize him the way they should be, should have been utilizing him the whole year. Mm-hmm, for sure. And lastly, a little bit, a little bit down the the list of sort of must starts or set it and forget it. Uh, Chuba Hubbard. Uh-huh. I like him. I like him against green Bay. I do too. He's been pretty good these last couple weeks. So those are the three for best matchups. Stay away. I have David Montgomery listed. Minnesota's seventh against against the position and in the Gibbs emergence. Yeah, it's 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 close to a 50-50 split, and and Gibbs seems to be the one getting the yards and getting even the touchdowns. I think Montgomery remains consistent. It's not someone to totally go away from if you need a flex play and you need. 10 points, but if you're looking for 20 out of your running back, then it's not Montgomery at this point, and it may might be Gibbs. Yeah. The thing with that backfield is that Gibbs has more versatility than Montgomery, right? They're, like, they're going to go to Gibbs more, even though <laughs> that prop for me failed last week. They typically go to Gibbs more in the passing than they do Montgomery. Montgomery's more like your first and second down. Like He's the one that you're going to look to set you up for those third and short positions on offense. He's not so much someone that they look to in the passing game nearly to the degree that they would with someone like Gibbs. So the fact that Gibbs has more versatility to me translates to more upside for Gibbs versus Montgomery. Definitely. Yeah. The other stay away is a repeat performer of Saquon again at Philly. Um, I'll stand by that Philly's good against the run and that the Giants – you know, we'll try to to beat them through the air. So that was that he's coming back to that list. Waivers, um, again, tough to tough sledding out there, but mm-hmm. take a look if you can at Antonio Gibson. Okay. At, at the Jets, they you know you the Jets have a good defense, but they are now out of it. They're twenty fifth against the running back position, according these is these numbers are according to CBS. Yeah. And Brian Robinson is got a bum hand, hamstring. So Antonio Gibson could get some run and, and more touches than normal to help you off the waivers. And then Zamir White is at Kansas City. He's still only 30% owned on CBS. Yeah. So and those are two. get the that, lion's share of carries in that game, right? Right. Again, Kansas City is a good D, but you're looking for some volume off the waivers. He might be one that's out there. So going to the other side of things then in that game with Kansas City, looking at someone like a Jarek McKinnon, who's been a touchdown dependent fantasy player for a little bit of time here. He's uptick to 45% owned and Pacheco's still questionable for that game. It's he's he's tending towards playing. And I think that he likely will. What do you think of McKinnon's value in a pitch? In a flex play, I I wouldn't wouldn't mind it. I think having someone like Mc, uh, McKinnon on your team allows you to wait for all that injury news, and he's a yeah. guy that you'd be 
comfortable plugging in better more so with Pacheco out but point. Mm-hmm. now that but now that McKinnon's been playing and they you know I read somewhere that they did this same thing last year with him they sort of rested him he didn't play a lot in the regular season and then they sort of um not unleashed him but started yeah. using him a bit more towards the end of the year and in the postseason so maybe a similar run here with him and then the wild card of Clyde Edwards Hilaire so yes it could sort of become a three-headed monster there with but with their lack of receivers all these guys can put up fantasy points yeah with, with the receivers being untrustworthy right mckinnon is somebody who is trustworthy he has that rapport and history with mahomes and they i think kansas city is one of the more creative offenses in the red zone and when they get in goal to go situations and mckinnon is an instrumental part of that red zone go to go offense goal to go offense so i think i think he's intriguing I, it, it's tough to put in touchdown dependent fantasy players but but i i think if again in a pinch and like you said waiting for all those flex flex options to flesh themselves out right i, I don't think mckinnon's the worst play i'll put it that way yeah yeah and and it's someone that when we'll talk later i don't have him but you can look at his props. I don't, the market might not be mm. able to judge, to judge him appropriately. And if Pacheco's questionable and then he, he doesn't go and his McKinnon's props were on the lower side, then yep. might be, might be a good play. So on to our receivers from last week, we recommended Cooper cup. He had a Cooper cup kind of performance, eight catches, 111 yards and a touchdown. We were a little bit um what's the word I'm looking for? We were favor we we liked Baltimore. We liked Baltimore a lot last week and they just didn't need to throw the ball against Jacksonville. So their receivers did not put up the kind of performance you would want in round 1 of the playoffs. Zay Flowers only had one catch for 7 yards. The Philly receivers, they weren't bad. They they didn't have standout performances. Each of them had five catches. A.J. Brown went for 56 yards. Devontae Smith went for 50. So, again, not what you're looking for in week one of the playoffs, but not a horrendous performance. And then we did recommend Chris Olave. He ended up being hurt and did not play. So that's something that you want to, when you listen to this, always take a look again at that Sunday morning, you know, week, injury reports and look to see if people are, in the game you want that that is that you don't want an injured player to ruin your your playoff circumstances and then the last player that we had was Cortland Sutton and he had a, a decent game as well five catches for 71 yards we recommended sitting Keenan Allen he ended up having a Keenan Allen kind of performance like steady but not outstanding six catches for 68 yards and then Calvin Ridley this was interesting he only had five catches, 39 yards. He was targeted 12 times in that game, though. So I, I think it was a good recommendation to sit him because of the, the the output that we saw, five catches for 39 yards. But the 12 targets was a little bit intriguing. And then my my specific one was George Pickens. He went three catches for 47 yards is now, you know, all over the media for not wanting to hurt himself blocking for Jalen Warren. So that that's the story with George Pickens. So that was how we did last week on the receivers. 
Oh, and there were a couple more. Sorry, a couple more recommendations too. Jaden Reed, six for 52 and a touchdown. And then Jerry Judy went for three catches for 74. So those were pretty good waiver wire recommendations that we had. Odell Beckham was someone that we brought up at the end. He only had a couple targets, one catch for 14. So I think our waiver wire recommendations of Reed and Judy did end up hitting for a, a replacement that you had in a pinch. So moving forward for this week, um, if you have any comments on any of that, Craig, certainly feel free to um, to further just, comment. But what do you got for this week? Yeah. Yeah. But just two quick comments. Keenan didn't end up playing. End up playing. He was ruled out after we after we had posted. Oh, did I? I oh, maybe I. Um, okay. And then, um, yeah, I Ridley had, had six for sixty-eight. That must have been the week before. Yeah, could have been. And Ridley, sorry, Ridley had a a pretty decent game and had a touchdown at the end of the game called back or one that was reviewed. That if you see it again, it it looks like it should have been called a touchdown. Mm, mm, okay, it was not granted to him. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this moving ahead to this week, it, in reviewing this, it looks like a lot of those stud standout wide receivers have great matchups. Okay. So lucky, lucky you if you own a St. Brown, um, a CD Lamb, guys like that, they're all they're all projected to have good games. One that stands out to me and Justin Jefferson versus Detroit. Mm-hmm. Kind of a welcome back, JJ, if you've waited all year. Um, or most of the year for him to yeah. come back. Yeah. Last week, 10 targets, seven catches, 84 yards. He didn't get in the end zone, but you'll take those numbers. Absolutely. And it should be, you know, a division game, but there still should be a lot of throwing in that game. So like I said, I did mention St. Brown. He was he was high up there as well. And then Mike Evans versus Jacksonville. And again, another stud, but if you look at his home versus road splits, mm-hmm. it, it's it, it's pretty crazy. They are at home. His last two home games, seven for one sixty two and six for one forty three. Unbelievable, right? So just it, it, there's something there. I don't I just go, but set him and forget him. They you know, click at probably home. Not, yeah, yeah. You're probably not sitting Mike Evans, but this is just again affirmation. And then one a little bit off the radar for that. Must start a best best matchup. T Higgins. I like T Higgins. It looked like he, you know, he had a, probably his best his his best game of the year last year with a Browning crazy at touchdown. quarterback. Crazy, crazy touchdown. touchdown. Chase has been ruled out. Yep. So he becomes the the one against Pittsburgh. So it could be tough tough sledding out there. But it we just talked about Garner Minshew's stats against Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. maybe you know, with their injuries, with losing guys, that it's not that same Pittsburgh defense that you you might have been scared away from uh, beginning of the year. Yeah. And then stay away. I I Going with Devontae Adams, I know he's going to get his targets, but the Kansas City defense is, is a good Legit. defense. Legit. Um, so he may get his five for 60, five for 70, but I don't, know that he's he's it it feels like he's had that stat line a lot this year so i'm not sure he's going to be that go-to number one guy for you this week if you have other options if there is a t higgins on your bench um someone like that then maybe you want to plug them in Mm -hmm. the other stay away i just listed as a group the houston wide receivers okay going against cleveland 
Really mm-hmm. tough defense. Stroud is we don't know his status. We don't know. Yeah. So I just I don't know again if Nico plays how healthy he's going to be, and um, Noah Brown is a nice receiver, but I'm not sure that we you know it's something you want someone you want to play if there are other options like a Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. maybe on waivers. Fifty five percent owned. According to CBS, again, Chase is now ruled out. So he should step into that wide receiver two role and see some targets and get some touches for you. And then the other one in deeper leagues, um, Wayne Dow Robinson at Philadelphia. Mm, I like Wayne Dow Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that was someone that I have listed at 20% rostered is again, a more of a deeper league pickup sticking with the, my guns that you have to beat Philly through the air and that he's someone that might have a nice game for you. Yeah. The, and he's versatile, right? They could, they, you could see them scheming for him to get maybe a couple touches on the ground as well, just because of his ability to make people miss in space. It, and it, they could use him on deep post patterns. They could use him in jet sweeps. They could use him in the slot. Like he has, he can do all the, all, a whole host of different things. And so his ceiling for me is always one to watch. I like that recommendation a lot. So the only other person I was going to talk about was Boyd. And since you already brought him up, we can move over to the tight end position. Last week, we t- I mean, Laporta is unreal. Like five catches, 56 yards, three touchdowns. I saw some stat <laughs> on X earlier this week. I don't, I, I wish I remember who posted it, but you know, the um, Iowa is basically, they're one of the schools that claims TEU, right? Titan University. They, I mean, they, they got Hawkinson, who was our other recommendation from last week, and now Laporta. Laporta has nine touchdowns on the year. He had five during his career at Iowa. Like, that's that's when you look at, you know, the way, you know, Iowa's offense just comes under such scrutiny for their ineptitude and their, you know, their run, run, pass, punt kind of kind of way that they operate, their, their field position offense. And just seeing that underscores how good these Iowa tight ends are when they get to the NFL and how their potential is really underutilized and untapped, you know, with that Hawkeye program. It was, it was pretty funny. Is is Laporta your number one wide receiver next year? I mean, tight end. I apologize. Mm. Uh, I mean, with that offense, with the way they run, I don't know if he's number one. I think I'd still probably go Hawkinson. Um, okay, but he, I mean, he'd be top five for sure. Uh, you know, especially if if they keep everything intact with the way that they throw. I mean, look, look, you, you got to think that he's he's a top five, especially with the way he scores touchdowns, <laughs> nine on the year. Yeah, I think it's Hawkinson and Kelsey and him in the conversation. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I I think that he's definitely up up the top top of the list. If and especially if Goff is that offense is still intact, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was one. You know, when we're talking about rookie tight ends, oftentimes tight ends who are rookies don't make a splash in the NFL in in year one, right? That's just not something that happens all that frequently. And I think that people were looking to have Dalton Kincaid be that one who would be the one just because of his receiving success at Stanford and his reputation of being more of a pass catching tight end versus one that will stay in and block. And while he's been good, I mean, Laporte has been significantly better. 
mm-hmm. at least from a fantasy standpoint. We also talked about Najoku, and he, <laughs> I mean, 10 catches, 104 yards, and a touchdown. And they turned it on late in that game. They went to Najoku a lot. Like, he was putting up fairly ordinary numbers until the end of the game when they went to him for a couple big plays, and he ended up getting, you know, over 100 yards. We recommended not to play Dalton Kincaid. That was good because he didn't get a single catch. And then the pickup that we had was Isaiah Likely. He was the one target who had success in that game against Jacksonville, five for 70 with a score. So on the tight end front, Craig, what do we got for this week? Yeah, it's it's more of the same at the top. It's Hawkinson versus Detroit. Uh, Evan Ingram um, at Tampa mm. Bay. Mm-hmm. I do like that matchup. And then back to David Njoku, 14 targets last week. You just mentioned the rest of his stats. So back to Ingram for a quick second. Tampa's ranked yep. 27th against the position. And then over back to Njoku, Houston's ranked 29th against the position. Those are good stats. So guys that already you look to and they should continue to deliver for you that you don't have to be concerned with worried about them on your roster in your DFS lineups um, considered for props. Those that's what we're recommending in this category. So the stayaways in this category, I've got it versus the giants. Okay. Uh huh. He's, it, you know, even before the injury, I'm not sure that he's not like my second guy, like the fourth option on the team. He's yeah. had a lot of, Decent, just a below at decent games, but below average for consistent. Yeah, just four catches, thirty yards. Four catches, thirty yards. Yeah, and then Kittle versus Baltimore. Okay, I just you know as good as he is, his touches are just not there. Mm-hmm. He has to almost turn one of his four to five targets into a touchdown to be that relevant tight end for you. So if you were lucky enough to grab a Najoku off waivers a few weeks back now, or if you have earlier in the season, we talked last week, maybe you grabbed Ferguson and you had both Kittle and Ferguson. You didn't know Mm -hmm. what to do. Might be, might be time to get Ferguson in that lineup. Just again, Kittle's, I think he's a great tight end, Yeah, but there's, there's only one ball in that offense. And with Debo back, McCaffrey's got to get his Debo's getting his and Ayuk looks to be the passing option or the mm-hmm. pre- preferred passing option with yeah. Debo doing a little bit of everything. So it's more of a numbers game there. And then um, off the waivers, Hunter Henry at Denver. Yeah. I I see him as still 41% rostered. Yep. He is injured, but Denver's ranked 32nd against the position. And he's so that's got last. <laughs> correct. Last. <laughs> and he's got a chemistry with Zappy. He does. So ride with it. If Mm -hmm. he's going to look for him and you need a play there, then I, I, I definitely would plug him in. And he's looking for him in the red zone too. It's not just the chemistry in general, but they, I mean, they are looking to Henry in the red zone, you know, (laughs) if they happen to get there. And then just another idea for you, if someone had dropped this, uh, it dropped Darren Waller while he was on IR. Yeah. He's now back, and he's sixty-one percent rostered. So just someone to take a look at. That we there's a, someone unknown there. He's only yep. played the one game with Devito, but 
like if you need if you have an injury you you need someone then he may be he he might be out there on the waivers so someone else to discuss is someone that you mentioned casually last week you you may recall when we were talking about uh, like sort of like a really deep replacement if you were desperate you mentioned Tucker Craft and he ended up scoring last week so what do you think of him now he's only 11% owned I still like him I think that I think well we there's concern about that the Carolina defense with Love, but right. he does well. The offense has gotten better with Love, and Love is playing better. So I think that his target it's six four six the last three weeks, and he's gotten thirty seven yards, sixty four yards, fifty seven yards, and he scored last week. So definitely a serviceable, slightly above average option there. Again. If you're working with any kind of injury or you had Kincaid going for you, yep. going for you in the air, and it might be time to move on from him. Um, if you're playing someone like a Logan Thomas, Kraft is I would put him higher than him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Komet has a tough matchup this week. Arizona's ranked ranked fourth against the tight end. So yeah, there's definitely some movement to be had in the tight end space. Especially if people in your league only carry that one tight end, then there's other. Yeah, there are now other options out there for you to take a look at. I like that serviceable characterization of craft. He is you. You feel like he's going to get enough volume to where he's going to accumulate some points, and maybe you get fortunate with a red zone look. So, let's move on now to. The Thursday and Saturday games. We're going to make recommendations, if we have them, on both the spread and the total. And then we're going to go through our props bets. And last week, you know, for your first time at this, going 6-0, and oh, not too shabby. So to review quickly, our guest here, Fred Dinger23, Craig Castriano, last week picked for the Chargers in Vegas. Vegas minus three. That hit. Easton Stick, over 190 and a half yards passing. That hit. For the Vikings and Bengals, TJ Hawkinson, over 52 and a half yards. That hit. For Pittsburgh and Indy, we had Zach Moss. We got a little fortunate on this one. Zach Moss, under 72 and a half yards. He did get hurt. That hit. And as we mentioned, those Indy, those Indy running backs did a very nice job in that game against that Pittsburgh defense, both of them. And then Denver and Detroit, over 47 and a half. That hit. And Jerry Judy, over 43 and a half yards receiving. That hit considerably. So beginner's luck, or we're going to have another hot streak for week two or round two of the playoffs, we think. Both. Both. <laughs> we're going to stay hot, and we got lucky. I was three and one myself. And, and something I want to point out here before we proceed into the upcoming week, this is a little bit tricky. And if you listen to the different episodes on the podcast, I will oftentimes say how much I like specific bets and and characterize how I like them in terms of if they move post-recording. So Austin Eckler is the perfect example of this. So he hit, based on our recommendation, 26 and a half the over. But if you bet that at the time of the game, whatever it was, I think it was 28 or 29 and a half, he didn't hit. And so 
be careful about like when we're when we're making recommendations, we will make recommendations based on the lines at the moment. Right. And that is the play. If they move, maybe we'll do it this way. If they move and you want to. If you wonder whether or not we still have that much confidence, just send us a message on X, right? Total sports underscore two, four, seven or Fred Dinger two, three. And we can let you know if we're still as confident in that play as we were at the time of recording. Like an example of this uh, on college football landscape, we were talking about the Old Dominion Western Kentucky game, how that game opened at a total of 55 and a half and it was moving down. And I didn't understand why. And at the time of recording, I said it was 51. And I said, I would play this back up to the original number of 55 and a half. That's how confident I was in the over. And I made that clear in the podcast itself. So in that instance, you have that information, right? But very specifically here, it was Equa 26 and a half, and that was the call. So it did move. And if you bet over once it moved, then you didn't hit on it. But 26 and a half technically did hit. Moving forward, we had Jake Browning over 239 and a half. That hit. Moss was one of my plays on the under as well, 72 and a half. And then lastly, Jameer Gibbs over 26 and a half receiving yards. That did not hit. They didn't go to him in the passing game as much as I thought. I still probably like his over passing totals moving forward. I'll, I'll chalk that up to an exception rather than the rule. So three and one for me last week. So let's move into the games for this week. I'm refreshing here to get the most up-to-date totals. Our first game is tomorrow night with New Orleans at the Rams. Current odds on DraftKings. And I'll use DraftKings to frame the conversation. But if we have other books with different lines, we'll specify as much. Right now, it is the Rams minus four at minus 112. The total is at 46. Money line bets are Rams minus 205 and the Saints plus 170. So, Craig, do you have a play on either the game or props for the Thursday night matchup? Yeah, both for this matchup. So the Rams at minus four, and that was on MGM. I found that at minus 110. So a little 110. Okay. Little value change there. Mm-hmm. Like the Rams at home, short week. I feel like they are trending in the right direction. Yes. And I like this matchup against New Orleans. So that's that's my play for the game. Mm-hmm. And on the on the flip side and I know we mentioned him earlier, Derek Carr. Yeah. I like his I like his over on passing yards still at 224 and a half. That was on FanDuel at minus 114. Okay. DraftKings has 233 and a half. Oh wow, that's pretty different. Yeah, so another, a little bit of a change there. And that's something where you might think that Carr, I I think he throws upwards of 240 yards. So mm-hmm. I, I like that play um, in that game as my prop. So 224 and a half, and you said, what was the juice on that? Minus 114. Minus 114, okay. So it moved very slightly at DraftKings. Right now it's 232 and a half at minus 115 on DraftKings. So 224 and a half minus 114 is going to be the play for car and passing yards. The play I like 
And I will say I like, I don't love, but I still like it's Alvin Kamara rushing yards over 51 and a half at minus 120. So he's hit this total over 51 and a half in seven of his 11 starts on the year. And two of those starts, he hit 51 even. So he's right there. The minor hesitation that I have is that Kamara all of a sudden has not become an explosive runner. He doesn't have a single explosive running play the entire season. So this is a volume dependent play. However, I think he's going to get 15 or so touches on the ground in this game. And I think if that is the case, he can manage this 51 and a half number. So second game, this is a gross game, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. It's not something that you would typically characterize as gross, but it is this year. So this is what we got on Saturday, the 23rd, the 430 matchup. It is in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is plus two. And the total is at 37. Bengals on the money line are minus 135. Pittsburgh plus 114. Again, this is current on DraftKings. Craig, what do you got for this one? I am staying away from the gameplay yeah, on this one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I'm looking at Joe Mixon over 48 and a half rushing yards on DraftKings minus 110. Uh-huh. I see it as other sources, so including CBS. He's between 59 to 60 projected. And I like that play with Browning at quarterback. I think Mixon has been a little bit more of the focal point. The play that I like, I like that play. And the play that I like is Mason Rudolph under 191 and a half. And it's basically because he stinks. And so does the Pittsburgh offense. So, I, I mean, I, I think Rudolph is, I'm still surprised. I'm I'm shocked he's even in the league. And so... I just I, I understand that the Bengals defense is bad. I picture this to be a low scoring game. I picture that Pittsburgh is going to want to run the ball and keep the ball away from Browning and that Cincinnati offense. And I don't I'm not convinced that Rudolph can complete passes consistently, quite honestly. And so I, I think this is this 191 and a half is uh, way too high. So I'm, I I think that's my play under 191 and a half at minus 115 for Mason Rudolph. But it's Christmas weekend, so they're playing Rudolph. So you you understand <laughs> you understand that, right? I did not factor that in to the analysis of whether or not Rudolph will be successful. I mean, maybe he's going to have other things on his mind then, right? It could. <laughs> Let's look at this final game. Buffalo and the Chargers. It's the 8 o'clock game on the 23rd. DraftKings has this at Buffalo minus 11.5, and, and it's juiced to 115 right now. So minus 11.5, minus 115 on DraftKings. Totals at 44. Moneyline bills minus 700. Chargers plus 500. Craig, do you have any uh, plays on the spread, total, or props? I like the total here. I like the over 43.5. I think... Um... 43 and a half. Where did you 40, see that? I'm sorry, on FanDuel at minus on 115. Okay. Minus and that, 115. Could, that could move. Everywhere else was 44, um, at okay. least in, in Massachusetts. Okay. But I do like the over. I think Buffalo is going to get their points. And potentially you see the Chargers get some garbage points. 
is how I, I was approaching mm. it and looking at it. It's, it's another Similar to the garbage points that they were able to get last week when they were down, whatever it was. Yeah. They, just the unknown is the, is, is the coaching staff and the, the players rally. They're not playing for anything, but do they rally right. mm-hmm. for the new coaches? Um, and that, that, that could lead to more points too. So that's why I like the over um, in general. And then just a, a quick peek at the Buffalo over points, total points for the bills is 27 oh, yeah. and a half uh-huh. might be something else that is a lean. It's not really a play for me, but looking at that number is uh, also interesting. The prop in this game for me is who we started with. Our conversation is Josh Allen. Yep. Over 236 and a half passing yards on FanDuel mm-hmm. at minus 114. Other sites at 242 and a half, 243 yes. and a half. Mm-hmm. And according to CBS, projections around 271. So oh. it's one, I, I like the matchup. I like what they're doing. I can see Cook opening up things a little bit more for them through the year and yep. their offense becoming what everyone thought it would be beginning of the year and a little bit more yeah. balanced, new new offensive coordinator, um, continuing the momentum. So the plays that I have on the prop side of things are also with the Bills offense. With anytime touchdown score, Josh Allen is plus 100. I like that. And I like... As a little bit of a stretch, an anytime touchdown score, Latavius Murray at plus 390. They have been consistently going to him, putting him in situations to score this year. And that's basically the only time they really use him in their offense. He scored last week against Dallas. He has four touchdowns on the season. I think there's going to be plenty of volume in this game on the Buffalo offense, and they could spread it around in terms of the uh, touchdown opportunities. And I think Murray could get some goal to go carries and sneak into the end zone for a touchdown. So I actually really like the odds there. Plus 390 for Latavius Murray. So to recap for our plays here for New Orleans and the Rams, Craig, what are your picks? So I'm on the game, minus the Rams at minus four. That's on MGM at minus 110. And Derek Carr over passing yards. That's uh, on FanDuel at minus one fourteen. Again, when I when I was looking, those were the numbers. And Carr was two twenty four and a half. Is that what you had for passing yards? Two twenty four and a half. Right. Okay. And whoa, hold on. I will get to this in one second. This is this is wild. What just happened? We'll get to this at the end. Um, Kamara, I have over fifty one and a half rushing yards at minus one twenty. If we look at Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, uh, Craig, you didn't have a play on the game here, but you had a prop, right? Yes, my prop was Joe Mixon over 48 and a half rushing yards on DraftKings at minus 110. Okay. And mine was Mason Rudolph under 191 and a half at minus 115. So for Buffalo and LA, what were your plays? My plays was a game total over 43 and a half. That was on FanDuel at minus 115. Mm -hmm. And then Josh Allen over 236 and a half passing yards on FanDuel minus 114. So mine were Josh Allen anytime touchdown at plus 100. And I said Latavius Murray plus 390. It just moved to plus 215. Live. 
That's interesting. That drastic. It may have something to do with the health of Ty Johnson and whether or not he will play. All the logic that I had for post-390 still applies. Let's continue to go with this bet at plus 215. I I mean, that just... That's one of the more drastic I've seen live. What I mean, have you seen it move that much in the blink of an eye like that? No, not not tracking it that closely. You know, they they move with all the news that comes out, so something must have happened. Yeah, but not nothing within when you looked it up. What maybe this morning to now? No, it, I mean it was it was plus three ninety live while I was okay. talking about it, and then it flipped right in front of my eyes to plus two fifteen. So well. The odds aren't as great now, but still, you know, again, the logic still applies. They're going to use him in that part of their offense, red zone and goal to go situations. So we're going to stick with it and we're going to say plus 215. We're still on Latavius Murray. Any final thoughts here as we close our week two playoff episode of In the Red Zone? Mr. Castriano, Fred Dinger 2-3. Just uh, good luck to everybody, and thanks for having me again. Thank you for joining us for this uh, week's episode of In the Red Zone. Again, you can get all of our episodes for this podcast and all podcasts across the Total Sports 24-7 network at totalsports247.podbean.com. Stay tuned to us on X, Total Sports underscore 247, and of course, Fred Dinger 23. Be on the lookout for his Tutty Time Parlays that come out at least once a weekend. Do you think we'll have one this weekend? Maybe two? It's Christmas. Let's go with two. It's it's Christmas bonus for the Tutty Time Parlays on Fred Dinger 2-3. Again, considering, consider subscribing to weekendweekout.substack.com for exclusive recommendations across the sports landscape as well. This has been In the Red Zone, part of the Total Sports 24-7 Network. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.